people. Hello and welcome to another episode of Alps in Brief, uh, the podcast that comes to you from the historic Florence building in downtown Missoula, Montana. I'm Leah Gooley and I'm the underwriting manager here at Alps and I'm here with Meg. Meg Grassberg and I'm the account manager for the states of Georgia and West Virginia for our Alps insured. And Meg is here, both of us are here to introduce Abigail Benjamin. She is an experienced West Virginia attorney and one of our insureds and is here to share an amazing story with us. Um, so with that, we'd just like to turn it over to Abigail to tell us a little bit about uh, your experience, maybe starting with how you began in a solo practice of law. Yeah, well, so this is kind of, uh, oh, okay, can you, you guys just see me. Um, this is kind of a, um, a, a eclectic story. So I'll, I'll, you, you just let me know if I'm, if I'm going too much in the weeds, but, um, I, um, I am almost 50. This practice has been going on for seven years. And, um, I ran into, I sort of did the traditional, um, college law school graduate at 25, found, you know, what I thought was my dream job, um, in public interest law and then had two kids. And I ran into that barrier. I think we're going to talk to later about being a female attorney with young kids. And I want to say it wasn't just a time crunch. It was wanting to show up for my family and my kids in a way that I wasn't just exhausted and overwhelmed. Um, so I, I didn't get that support and I just chose my kids. And at age 40, I had made what I thought was a very happy life, not practicing law. Um, I had um, six kids, ages 13 to one. I was growing kale in my backyard. I was writing fiction. You know, I was following politics and on the news, living in a corner of my home state of West Virginia, um, about 70 miles from D.C. And God bless anyone from D.C., but um, I, there's a lot of lawyers in D.C. and there's a lot of unhappy lawyers in D.C. So I was very comfortable not practicing law. And um, the practice came out when I was 41 kind of on a, on a base of, of a very ethereal idea and some very thoughtful, like good, wise people giving me um, thoughtful advice. And so the first start was um, in my faith for tradition, Pope Francis is our head. And he really encouraged us Catholics to lean into this idea of environmental justice. And I had been a nonprofit lawyer. I was very um, keen to sort of economic issues and worries about justice with the poor. But I hadn't really, really thought about economic um, justice issues and how that impacts both poor Appalachians and, and people of color around the United States. I had So I just kind of had this thought. But again, raising kale, homeschooling six kids, I, I took a one shot um, volunteer opportunity. I, I, you know, I, I limited, limited. And I volunteered at an environmental film festival called the American Conservation um, Film Festival. And I saw this film that just blew, it knocked my socks off. It, it just really opened up my eyes. And it was about an, um, a water crisis event we had in West Virginia. It, it was the Elk River crisis. And this was the interesting part about, you know, art and film. I, I definitely was somebody that was like educated in the audience. I knew I knew what my state's problems were. I read the news. But seeing this timeline as a lawyer, I was just like, oh, my gosh, this was not an, an inevitable catastrophe. And what happened is we have these giant chemical plants um, storing chemicals, very dangerous stuff right on the the. Uh, waters that we all drink from. And it was two 
rust holes the size of quarters that dumped all that toxic stuff. And one half of my state's population wow. lost their drinking water. And they, um, it was, it wasn't the regular boil advisory where, you know, it's an inconvenience. You put the pot on the stove for 30 minutes and you have drinking water. You could not bathe in this water. You could not, um, you could not, um, uh, wash your clothes. It was the smell coming out of the taps was making people sick, skin rashes. And not all of the um, environmental protocols were followed. You know, they called the spill line, they did the stuff. But it was um, these local small businesses in Charleston, it was an ice cream shop, um, that Ellen's ice cream that was making their ice cream for the day. And this terrible smell came in and they were like, this is not good. And they called the public health coordinator. And that's what that's what started this sort of um, in, um, looking at this environmental issue. OK, so I yeah. So I was like amazed at that film and the discussion around it and how um, I was very interested as a lawyer that this catastrophe people had known for about seven years that, you know, this this firm was not following protocols. And they were calling in complaints like nuisances complaints about smells and spills. Um, but they didn't file a lawsuit. I mean, it was just sort of stacking up and stacking up. And so as somebody who had a who was a lawyer, I was like, man, I wonder if encouraging lawyers to sort of take these small cases um, and looking at environmental protection, not as, I mean, God bless them, you know, uh, Sierra Club or, or these kind of large swaths, mm -hmm. but that individual boots on the ground thing, that's what really got me excited. So um, I called up my property law professor, who I had not talked to in 10 years at the okay. University of Wisconsin, and he is super cool. He uh, And let me know if I'm going on too long in the weeds, this but um, he's you actually South help. African. Okay, yeah, yeah, it's so weird. But um, he's South African. His name was Heinz Klug, and he is uh, worked with Nelson Mandela. He helped to do the South African Constitution, Very and he actually ended up being my law professor. You know, now twenty years ago, because his work against apartheid um, was so dangerous, there was a price on his head. So he had to come to America to sort of save his life, and ended up falling in love with uh, an American girl, and and who who taught um, sociology law, and so he just found himself in Madison, Wisconsin, and was my was my property law professor. So I called him. And again, just supposed to be a one shot deal. I'm like, I have this amazing film about my home state of West Virginia. And I think it'll really jazz up, you know, the one else in your class, and I want to come share. And he, we had this amazing meeting of the minds. And that's what happens kind of with business, I think is like this synchronicity. And he was like, Abigail, I get you. He's like, this is just like in Africa. And honestly, I was kind of offended as an American. I was like, no, 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 no. Like, I know West Virginia is weird, but we're like 70 miles from Washington, D.C. Like, you know, you have your problems over in Africa, but like, you know, it's not that bad over here. And he just, he's like this systemic problem. This, this is the way that justice can fail to get implemented on the ground, this is systemic, this is worldwide, mm. and I think you should come. And so again, retired lawyer for over 10 years, I had never been on an airplane, and he sent me an airplane ticket and a really nice hotel room to come to my law school to give this presentation. And I was really humbled because my friends who had stayed on that linear path, I mean, they mm -hmm. were partners at law firms in Milwaukee and Chicago. And here I was getting the red carpet rolled out um, to come back to my law school and speak. And so the, the idea of my practice 
it really came from my South African professor, a visiting um, law professor um, from India, and then one of the environmental law professors who just happened, she's a, uh, they were a little younger than me, but um, grew up in Tennessee and really understood the thing that I was seeing. And so that kind of weekend conversation about this idea I had for a practice. And mm -hmm. I initially didn't think I had the resources, the, the time or the money to start my own practice. So I was like, I need to fundraise. I have a great idea for a practice. And the idea for the practice was not somebody that came in um, from the top down like Sierra Club or Natural Resources, not that they're not doing great work, but in West Virginia, there's a very much stiff resistance against outsiders telling us what to do. Sure. And there's, yeah, that's common, and I'm sure. There's uh -huh. real pushback against like, what's this Clean Water Act? And so I thought having a native child that's in the community that that is going to rotary meetings and you know i do i do a lot of um acting so it's on you know um community theater and when i go and do my presentations which you know in court which are some environmental but quite honestly are a lot of basic property rights um that gets that i don't get dismissed as the outsider i i'm, I'm really representing um how these harms are hurting us as a community and um so so i thought I had six kids that disqualified me. I was mm. trying to find a new grad and I was like, Hey, I think you could do this for $60,000. I'll fundraise. I'll call my friends and we'll put this together. And, um, God bless that person from Tennessee because I kept saying like, this sounds like a you project. Like it sounds like you, like I don't have a student at 25. I can just fling into this, <laughs> to this, you know, Appalachia to try to make change. Like this sounds like, a you project. And I'm like, well, I'm like, I'm too busy. You know, I, I've, I've got these, I've got these six kids. And so just kind of that idea of like, not, I can't, but like the shifting a question to, could I like, like, could I do that? Mm -hmm. And um, I'm really lucky. You know, my husband was really supportive. Um, my kids were supportive. I had a group of um, community people that I was working with on the heroin issue because Appalachia's got, we got a lot of stuff wrong, but okay. one of the things was the opiate epidemic. And they really just, you know, kind of held my hand through that nervousness phase of I'm going to sit down and retake the bar exam in West Virginia for the first time at 41. And I, I'm going to, you know, show up. And I ended up taking the bar exam right in a hotel that overlooked that river that inspired mm -hmm. me to do the thing. And um, so within a couple um, days after I, I passed the bar exam, I had an opportunity, there was a, um, because there, there's not a lot of <laughs> pro, pro bono lawyers out here floating around in West Virginia. So okay. I got a call from an environmental group um, to join an action against a, a, a state gas company that was doing um, a, a monopoly and they were trying to build a, um, a natural gas line over, over um, geography that we thought was unsafe. And um, I just went into, you know, to do a speech in, in front of a, you know, a group of people. And one guy just literally took off his hat and passed it around and they threw in, you know, $800, enough money for me. Cause I, I didn't, I didn't need money for me, but I had to pay the court reporter. And so we 
got a deposition um, from a really good scientist about damage to the Potomac River, and um, which is the um, drinking water for not just us in West Virginia, but for all those poor people in D.C. Talk and about um, that's amazing. You know, and it's like you, yeah, they, yeah. they needed you so, and you needed them. I love that. Yeah, well, and it was so, again, um, I jumped into this lawsuit. I was number 17. I was the 17th lawyer in this lawsuit. Okay. The only one who was living in the area, everybody else was down south in Charleston, and the only one representing, you know, what I feel is like the people. And um, and I was so poor, I didn't have a working printer. So I went to Kinko's and like they were my law office and I would print mm -hmm. out, you know, the 19 copies I needed and stapled it and sent it off. Um, but yeah, it ended up working and we we got an um, environmental concession and I got to get on TV. And so just that... Um, type of um of feedback i i think of having an idea having really um solid people encouraging you to sort of go to that untraditional idea and then and then having that success so so that's anyways that's how we, i got started that is an I amazing i love story. that yeah it's sort of very weird. Yes, it's very. I love it. The the fact yeah. that you provided a local solution from a local yeah. person with community support, as Meg noted, right in a non linear yeah. and supported by that international perspective. I mean, who would have who would have thought about mm -hmm. that? But that's the the beauty of yeah. I think lawyers is what we the analysis we can carry to something that you know mm -hmm. we can we can be from very different um, backgrounds, but we can be working on the same solutions, and uh, that's just so exciting to me. And, yeah. and not to, for a shameless plug for Alps, but our focus is solos and small firms, yeah. right? And that that's the value that those solo firms you can provide in that capacity with this organic idea that you put together. And that's really like, we're very proud to be able to support attorneys in that position with, with the pieces that we have, the risk management, uh, the affordable policies, right? And that that's really awesome to see that in, especially in your kind of local community. That's so exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would just say, you know, the importance of my work with environmentalism is um, it's really important to be a solo because I would be conflicted out of all of these mm -hmm. interesting cases if I was in a larger firm. And um, also just for me personally, trying to balance um, having kids and having a practice. Um, I, you know, I'm the boss, so I don't, I don't need to ask permission, you know, to, to move back, uh, um, you know, and a, a meeting um, to take care of my kids. That's, that's just built into yeah. to, to the practice that I have. And so I, again, we'll, we'll talk about how Alps is, is really special to the story, but it's nice to have sort of those big firm kind of tools and expertise, but still preserving for me, um, the, the passion and the interest that really drives mm -hmm. me to, to be a good lawyer. It brought you out of retirement. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Well, then this feels like an excellent time to talk about kind of your experience as a female attorney and more specifically your experience um, as a mom uh, and maybe that piece of the story. So again, I had started this dream of a practice thinking basically that my um, having kids was finished. And I, um, after about 10 months after I had started going back, it's all jazzed up about environmental 
issues. Um, my husband decided to take a job as an academic. He's an art professor. And so it was really great for him to switch out of sort of being a, a, a long distance commuter to DC and, and teach his, his, his love. Um, but it, it, he lost half of his income. And so suddenly this project that for me was just sort of, oh, you know, interesting and volunteering and pro bono, I suddenly had to literally get the grocery money for the kids. And so, you know, I transitioned, you know, thank goodness, you know, Alp started me on that little first flights program. And then I, mm -hmm. I had, had moved in sort of organically. And then two weeks after I signed my commercial lease to um, move back to my hometown and open up a kind of, you know, a more, a more um, standard solo practice, um, I found out that I was surprisingly pregnant with my seventh child and it was really awesome, but it was really scary because suddenly I had this commercial lease and I, I had run into trouble earlier in my career balancing. I felt like, um, kids and law. And now suddenly I was by myself and having to do that. And so Luke is, who is awesome. Um, but, we, I had a, a, a high risk medical pregnancy with him and I ended up on bed rest in a hospital, really wow. trying to run my law practice, brand new law practice, um, you know, with a, a locked file cabinet in my hospital room and, you know, some, some phones and I was able to do it, but I didn't have that, um, that sizable kind of war chest that, that, um, that backup, you know, again, just like daily bills I was paying, but I, I didn't have enough to pay my Alps um, insurance premium. And so that was so beautiful. Luke was born and he was premature and he and I were here, but like kind of, you know, still shaken up by the experience. And I reached out to Meg and I just told her my situation. And I said, I was, you know, a, a new mom and, um, and this premature baby and that I, I wasn't going to be able to meet that deadline. And she reached back out to me and said, and this was the line that was like, ah. she said, um, I remember those days. I remember those days and I'm going to look in, and she worked out the, uh, the payment plan for me. But getting that affirmation, I think from somebody that from the, 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 um, the, the, kind of corporate identity of a, of a malpractice insurance, having them have that, caring central thing about caring for me as a person and willing, willing to bet that this was just a temporary hiccup for me. And I, I was going to be, you know, a great client moving forward. It just, it just meant the world to me. And, um, I actually, I, I don't know if I share this with you, Meg, but I used the confidence from our exchange to go talk to a local banker who was also a woman in my, um, in my town and I got a better line of credit. And so it really, I mean, it really affirmed to me that the practice of law was was valuable for me as a as a young mother, and it was okay to ask for accommodation, um, and and so that I could stay mentally healthy, be there for my kid, and also you know serve my clients. And um, I, I it was it was a fragile time for me, and I I, I really just appreciated that uh, vote of confidence. That's so yeah, awesome. I love that. That, yeah. that just touches my heart. <laughs> when oh, you good. send an email, oh, I, I cry through the whole office. I'm kind of a cry. Oh, oh. So, <laughs> it is, so it, the backstory is I sent a thank you note to Meg when my little son, Luke, who was the premature baby five years ago when he celebrated his fifth birthday and he's oh. super healthy and happy. And I was just like, thank you because I have this healthy baby, but I also have a healthy law practice. And, you know, mm -hmm. thanks for not making me have to choose one or the other. I love that oh. women and mothers understand each other and can support each other. I love that. Yeah. Love that. 
which with the backdrop of love, (laughs) everybody take a minute. (laughs) In the backdrop of law that you mentioned earlier, where that can just be a conflict, right? Trying to show up for your kids and your family in a real way as you also balance some pretty heavy expectations in the larger law firm space, right, Um, can be so overwhelming, especially to women who have the mantra of doing it all and some of that context that is it's hard to mentally work your way through. Clearly, you said, well, at some point, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to step away. And that's not what that's not what the law profession needs. And we see that in women are a majority now of law school students but after five years, start to drop out of the professions mm-hmm. for a lot of the same reasons that you've talked. So very interested to hear more about your thoughts on what some of those challenges are for uh, women in law and where, you know, we or the law community might be able to meet some of those challenges. So I'm so glad you asked that question, because this was exactly my story. I, I had gone... To, I, from a really small town in West Virginia, uh, 5,000. Uh, I went to a women's college, um, Smith College out in Massachusetts, and I went to a really good public interest law um, group in University of Wisconsin. And I had gotten the um, the plum job. I worked as legal service attorney. I worked, worked with a lot of women and everything seemed to really fall into place um, from you know being 25 to, uh, to, 20, um, to 29 for four and a half years. But when I got pregnant with my second child, I just, I felt exhausted. And one of the things that kind of, um, you know, makes me upset is we as attorneys, we are expert at managing like expectations and delivering conflicting things. So like mm-hmm. we're, we're experts at like kind of crisis management. I mean, at least my practice, and I think a lot of other people, it kind of feels like an ER doctor. Like you plan to work on one thing and a client called and they have an emergency. And so you're going to shuffle your day around. And those are exactly the skills that you need for balance in terms of having a lot of kids or just having, you know, a creative life. I mean, you know, I got to do Wizard of Oz this summer um, with my kids. And let me tell you, those two weeks that we were in tech rehearsal, not a lot of law was getting done. So, um, but those kind of shifts, that's really um, normal as a lawyer. And when I look back, I'm upset at myself at 30 because I felt inferior that, you know, my child needing me or like the being pregnant or, you know, asking Meg for an extension because I had a premature baby and had been working for um, three months. That, that's just that's life, you know, and that's a that's a healthy, um, well-rounded life. And um you know, it's just amazing that, um, you know, right now in my stage of life, I'm, I, I had a mom that um, died of cancer after two years of treatment and my elderly dad needs some help. And it's weird, like, you know, judges and other lawyers are so much more calm about giving me elder law care, you know, like flexibility than they were about me ha- giving birth and having kids. Mm. And I don't know how much is that is my uncomfortability asking for that. Um, But once I started as a solo, I really had this idea that um, my husband and my kids were my first eight clients and they, they got the top eight slots of my day. But that also means I can handle about 30. So there's a whole bunch of work that I can do for the community. And occasionally, you know, somebody has a deposition or I've got a hearing, you know, that, 
those clients bump up and they they trump, you know, my five-year-old. But most of the time, my family gets the top billing and I'm really comfortable handling the rest of the time. Um, and so the issue then, honestly, right now at 50 isn't so much balancing my being a mom versus being an attorney. It's really making sure that I'm being healthy for me because I, you know, I tend not to put myself in the mix. So that's, so trying to be um, healthy and sustainable, you know, keeping up my um, exercise program, eating right, those, those kind of things I, I struggle with much more than, um, you know, telling a client to pause for a minute while I, I talk to my kids. And I, I would also say, when I was growing up, I thought having kids meant you had a career disruption very small, like when they were little, you know, like zero to three. But my teenagers, I swear, oh, oh, wow. way more than my five-year-old. And it's like the, the teenager is like fine until like my 20-year-old's in college. And then like suddenly I'm out the door for work and they're just like, you know, and you got to stop and like take that moment and connect with them. But that's where being a solo or small firm is perfect because it's very, very rare that I have to be in my law office at nine o'clock in the morning. Like, like I can take those moments to um, connect with them when they're ready. And, um, you know, yeah. And, and, and I still feel like a great lawyer, you know, if I spent 30 minutes with my teen and show up at nine 30 instead of nine o'clock. And so probably a not lawyer. Because you're probably better. Yeah, you yeah, so exactly. you're present when you're present for your clients awesome. because yeah. your life's taken care of. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. So, Abigail, so I would say, oh, go ahead. Oh, just asking what uh, advice would you give to a 25-year-old, 30-year-old attorney in that position, male or female, facing the crux of kids versus work? What advice would you give them? I, I would encourage, um, I would say, try your best not to see it as kids versus work, but what makes you a healthy human being and how can you practice law in a way that's healthy? And I made the mistake of, I had female role models when I was 25, just starting off in law, and they they were awesome attorneys, their lives with their families did not look at anything like how I wanted to be. I, um, you know, I had really amazing, amazing attorneys, but they like either had the swap where the husband was the kind of 1950s spouse that did everything. And they were in the office for 80 to hundred hours a week. And, or they outsourced, like the nanny came and picked the kid up um, in the, um, in the morning at like 5am and then like had them until seven and fed them every meal and stuff. And, and not that that's like bad, but that shouldn't be our only, the idea of a lawyer sitting in the office for a hundred hours a week. And, and I would say 85 plus was very normal for me in a, um, 85 person public interest law job that I don't think that makes for healthy people, not just like, that, that's unsustainable, I think, when you have a tiny newborn that's waking you up. But, um, you know, there was a motivation. I, I wasn't living a healthy life when I was newly married, but it didn't hit me as bad as when I had this little one-year-old who I, when even when I saw them, I was so obsessed with worrying about my cases and like how tired I was from this stuff. So, so male or woman, just really try to find lawyers that are healthy, that are energetic, that are doing awesome in the courtroom, but you 
want to a have time to take you out for you know a beer or a coffee and then are interesting to talk to as a beer and a coffee and so yeah yeah, yeah. like <laughs> that should be yeah it's more than just can you practice law well in a courtroom I, I, that's what i feel like so it's finding a sustainable um a, a sustainable practice yeah that is such great advice and so for the current atmosphere, right, in the profession, being able to to talk to attorneys in general to say, be a whole person, have a well-rounded life. Yeah. The attorney wellness right now is a moderate crisis, right? People are, yeah. are in a tough spot. And so being able to have that message to folks is so important right now, reinforced from folks within the community, people who have made those difficult journeys. Yours is so inspiring in that way, right? The weaving, right? And being able to be back into a position where you're providing value, you're providing value to your family and yourself uh, and you're- uh, And everything's meaningful, right? And Meg was saying like all, like the time with my kids and my teens, like that's making me a better attorney because I'm I'm a more fully engaged human. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Beautiful. That's so great. Uh, Let's see. Um, those are kind of the questions in general we had wanted to wrestle with. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to add um, just in your experience uh, in this, again, really inspiring journey uh, to attorneys now or just in general to the community? Well, I just want to give a shout out. So my bar association has a free Zoom meeting. Um, that's it's for it's for um, uh, mental wellness. Um, oh. and it's really about kind of health, and it's run by a therapist. And um, I was initially kind of nervous um, to to um, to to join, but it has been amazing. And one of the the nicest thing is we have a, a judge on there, which was like kind of very nervous. You know, you're not used to seeing the <laughs> the guys in the robe, like you know, as you're like, yeah, so I'm struggling with my teen today, you know, whatever. Um, but it was really humanizing to see people of different ages, different backgrounds, um, vastly different um, uh, sections of law. I mean, I think I'm a little guilty of really talking mostly to other attorneys that have that are in my same um skill set right, right? Yeah. Yeah. so but it was just it's so amazing to see people struggling with this idea of how can i practice law do good to my clients but also in a, in a way that's sustainable that's 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 healthy for me and um i would say you know 90% of all lawyers that I practice with and COVID has really helped. I think we're pretty human. I, you know, we're, we're in a small state. I think people are pretty gracious about, you know, giving extensions or, or um, helping a client, you know, really find a good fit between, you know, I might have somebody that has a case, but I'm not the right lawyer for them. So I'm going to reach out and find a referral to them, kind of that humanness. But I would say there, there is 10% that is kind of jerks, you know, and that has that sort of, uh, you know, adverse priority relationship, even when we're not, you know, in court. Um, but this wellness group has helped me have confidence where I'm like, dude, like, you're just not on my team, you know, like, like, we're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, uh, keep my armor up and the velvet glove and the professionalism, but it's allowed me, I think, to um, feel more confident again, as that, as that, as that human being. Um, the other thing I would say, again, just call up the Alps, it's amazing as a solo to put a team together. So even though I'm alone, I have, you know, I have Meg and Alps and Alps is great because 
for me, I have ADHD. Alps is like, get your records together, girl. You know, I mean, they're like, there's like these firm, you know, always write, always write the engagement letter, always say when you're off the case, you know, and these kind of like, um, you know, it's almost like a managing attorney role. Um, so that helps me like, you know, my interest is obviously talking to people and solving the law. Like it's not necessarily administration, but Alps is that person that's helping me make sure that I hit the the things I need to do to stay, you know, protected and 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 gives me confidence. Yeah. Awesome to hear. And that. I have a team, I have, you know, financial advisors, I have um really helpful with um with therapists. I have a lot of friends that are therapists because a lot of what we're doing in law is very um it's very emotional. Like I'm I might know what to do, but trying to handle those clients that are, I mean, they they come in with property law issues. And I mean they're you're they're crying. I mean, it's, it's really, it can be really traumatic. And um, so that's, that's what I like. Just, just having, I'm, I might be alone, but I have a team of people that I can look to for my clients, but also I can look to for myself. And I'm always interested in, in learning how to do things better. Um, the one thing I would say for attorneys that I, I think I found because, because I took this little detour, um, I think it's very, very important to stay intellectually curious and not mm. just go to CLEs, but, you know, watch PBS documentaries and, and go to theater plays and, you know, act, uh, my husband and I right now, uh, we're taking an adult tap class on Wednesday nights and our kids are dancers <laughs> and we suck. I mean, we are like, <laughs> uh, but we're out there, you know, learning the shuffle step and like, you know, doing our little things. And I mean, it is so healthy. I, I'm almost 49. He's 51. It is so healthy to be in something that like is not your skill level. And I think uh, attorneys were, we're interested, curious bunches. And it's sad if we get um, burnt out or mm -hmm. tired or always having to be the leader, right? The one with the answer. So that's, that's again, I, I think, um, you know, mental health is important. Exercise, diet is important. But that kind of keeping that, you know, curious, playful kid, the, the person you were before you uh, sat through contracts law at, as a one-off, <laughs> that, keep that person alive because that's really who people respond to. Um, and then I think they trust me in my community to have, answers for complex things because they see me, you know, as a, as a human being and I'm, I'm out in the community. So that's my awesome charge too. Great. Well, uh, to wrap things up, we have a couple of, uh, lightning round type questions. If you're gay, okay. uh, are you a dog or a cat person? Cats. I'm a cat person. Yes. Cat person. And what are you reading right now? Oh, um, gosh, so, so much. I actually, and with all my different interests, we have a family bookstore. Um, that's kind of like our family farm. Um, but this is a, a West Virginia, um, I swear I didn't know this question was coming. This is <laughs> on my, I, I use books. Like I, I use law. I have, I have my, you know, uh, other stuff too. Um, but the Perla's book is a West Virginian who actually wrote very, um, sympathetically about the Chinese. And this is the exile is actually a portrait about her mother. Um, 
And so I, I lost my mom. My mom died after a two year battle with cancer in January. And it's been really helpful, uh, not just to take uh, time off my practice to go to grief group. That's good too. But it's been really helpful for me to read a lot of um, books uh, where people are reflecting about their mom. I feel a lot more, you know, connected just hearing about other people's stories. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thanks. Um, Last question. Do you see any of your seven kids going to law school? You know, so here's the thing. My husband is a digital artist and art professor. And so they really had no, I mean, mom's job was, was boring, right? Compared to <laughs> yeah. like dad's job of like making animation and stuff. But, but my 16 year old has just really fallen in love with history. And I was like the first time she told me um, she had opinions about President Andrew Jackson. I was like, whoa, you know, yeah, you and, know her. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, no, her, little ballet dancers it turns out that um one of her uh good friends is really excited to become a criminal defense attorney aka perry mason so that has been adorable and so so she she secretly i think after i i joke that um her ballet career like either either when she's 40 and she retires from ballet or she gets injured she she mm. she's in line now to uh take over my my firm so that was okay <laughs> Okay. Dancing. Yes, yes. I love it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can I can be more grateful for your time with us oh, today, you. sharing your stories and such great advice. Um, wonderful to talk with you today. Just a huge thank you to you. Yeah, such it's a really delight, great. Abigail. Well, thank, thank you. you thank time. you very I much. And good luck to everyone out there. <laughs> great. Right, thank you. Like. Um, I'll just say to our listeners. Um, just if you have any questions for Alps, if you're insured with us, please reach out to your account manager, like May. In West Virginia or Georgia. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, happy to answer any questions. Um, as Abigail had mentioned, there are some serious risk management, how to run a solo practice resources on our website. It's alpsinsurance.com. There's some great blog posts, videos, um, articles written by our claims attorneys who are on staff to handle claims that come in from our insureds. So really great resources. If you have any questions or want to know more, please check that out at alpsinsurance.com. Thank you again for beautiful, cold Missoula. Uh, and we will see you next time. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks Abigail. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.